If you have your, with those Bibles, we're going to the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, and we're starting at verse number 19. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and here's how it reads. It says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The title of my message today is called The Waiting Place. Say that with me, folks. The waiting place. You may be seated. Um, anybody here love the promises of God? How many people love the promises of God, right? And, you know, in the Bible, it's been estimated. I, I've tried to figure out. I've gotten different numbers on the actual number of promises that exist in Scripture. I've seen uh, some people say as many as... 3,000 up to as much as 8,000. So I haven't actually counted them all. But what we know is that there are a lot of promises that God has made to us. And when we get a promise, I don't know about you, but when, when God promised me something, I get excited. Anybody get excited over the promises of God? You know, in some churches, just the promise of God alone can kind of get the church shouting a little bit and cutting a step. We don't do that a whole lot here, but um, in some church traditions, you know, the organ would be going and uh, just just shout one promise of God and, and it just sets the whole place on fire. But it's not just the promise that gets you excited. It's the fulfillment of the promise that gets you excited as well, right? See, a, a promise is okay, but that's good, but the, the reality of the fulfillment of the promise is what makes it even better. And you have a certainty knowing that when God makes the promise, he's going to keep it. And so when he fulfills the promise, guess what? You get that same reaction, that same excitement, that same joy. You run around telling everybody about what God has done and, and oh man, I believed him and I trusted him and he promised this and he delivered that. And you get all excited. And you shout and dance and run around and tell people, God is good and, and God is amazing. Anybody ever experienced that before? Yeah, right? We've all done that. In fact, if I just shouted out a promise like, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Don't that get you excited? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a promise. I go to prepare a place for you. And, and, and when I go, I'm going to come back and get you so that where I am, you may be also. That's a promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should never perish but have everlasting life. That, folks, is a promise. 
That gets me excited. I hope it gets you excited. But here's the problem, folks. Between the time of God's promise and the time of God's fulfillment, there's something that I call the waiting place. You see, there's a moment in time where God may give you a promise, but then there's another moment in time before that promise is fulfilled. And that space in between is what I call the waiting place. And my question to you is simply this. What do you do when you're in the waiting place? What do you do when you're in the waiting place? You see, the challenge of the waiting place is that you don't know how long you're going to be there. (laughs) See, God makes the promise. God fulfills the promise. But sometimes he doesn't tell you how long you got to wait before the promise is fulfilled. And it's in that waiting place that sometimes we get discouraged or challenged. Think about this for a moment. Abraham received the promise, right? You're going to have a son. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Took 25 years before that promise was fulfilled. 25 years. It's a long time. Quarter of a century. Joseph had a dream, right? Uh, His brothers and his father and mother were all bowing down to him. Guess what? He was, took him 13 years before that promise came to pass. David was anointed king of Israel when he was a young boy, yet it was probably about 15 years before he ascended to the throne. The waiting place, right? In the garden, God said, your seed is going to crush the head of the serpent, yet it was centuries before Christ came to the earth. And before Jesus left, he said, I'm coming back. Well, guess what? We've been waiting 2,000 years for that one to be fulfilled, (laughs) It's getting closer, though, but we've been waiting 2,000 years and counting. You see, there's this waiting place, and the question I have for you is, what do you do when you are in the waiting place? What do you do? Because it's in the waiting place. This is where the battle happens. This is where the fight happens. This is where the struggle to keep believing happens. This is where the ups and downs happen, where the discouragements and the disappointments happen, where you have great hope and expectation one day, and then you have fear and despair the next day. All of this happens in the waiting place. It's where you question and you wonder if God is going to come through on what he has promised. Can anybody agree or understand where I'm coming from today? Have you ever been in the waiting place? Wondering, God, you made this promise. When in the world is this going to happen? You see, all of this, folks, happens in the waiting place. In the waiting place. You see, the truth of the matter is no one has a problem with the promises of God. And in fact, no one has a problem with the fulfillment of the promises of God. The problem we have is when we have to wait for them to be fulfilled. It's in that waiting place. It's in that place where you begin to ask questions. Like, for example, uh, maybe you've asked God this one. Hey, God, uh, can you speed this up a little bit? (laughs) Ever happened to you before? Um, Or you begin to question, God, did I actually hear you correctly? Or did you really say that? Or is it just my imagination? You begin to question, are you really going to do what you said? Have, or, here's a big one, have you changed your mind? Have you ever felt that way? God, you made this promise that hasn't happened. Maybe you just changed your mind. You see, all of these types of questions happen when you are in 
that waiting place. But to get to the fulfillment of the promise, you've got to get through the waiting place. And so I want to help you tonight. I want to encourage you tonight of how you're going to get through this waiting place. Let me ask you a question. How many have a promise that they're waiting on God for right now? Anybody got one of those? Good. I want to encourage you tonight how to get through that. Here's the first thing you need to understand about waiting, first and foremost. Waiting, folks, is an action word. We often think of waiting as something that's passive. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is an action word, right? Waiting doesn't mean you do nothing. Waiting means you continue pressing forward until you see the answer that God has promised. That's what waiting is. It's an action word. It's not a passive word. Waiting is like the widow who goes and borrows as many empty jars as she can find because she's expecting that when she starts pouring, every single jar that she finds is going to be filled. That's, that's what waiting is. It's, it's an action word. It's not a passive word. Um, waiting is when you clear out room because you are expecting God's promises to be fulfilled. You see, if you're waiting for God's promises, don't wait for it to show up to clear out the room for it. No, you start making room for it now because you are expecting God to deliver on what he has said. That, folks, is what's waiting. It's an expectation. It's a hope knowing that God is going to deliver on what he has said. Waiting, folks, is an action word. Waiting is going to get a license before God blesses you with the car, (laughs) right? Waiting is getting pre-approved for the mortgage when you have absolutely no money for a down payment. That's what waiting is, right? It's an action word. You take steps. You take steps of faith that demonstrate to God that you are putting your faith in action because you are expecting him to deliver on what he has promised. That's what waiting is. Think of it like this. In Matthew chapter 7, Verse 7, it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. See, you're waiting on God, but guess what you're doing? You're still asking. You're waiting on God, but you're seeking. You're waiting on God, but you're still knocking because you have an expectation of what God is going to do. You need to understand that waiting is not something you sit back and do. Waiting is something you do that it takes action and expectation because you know God is faithful to deliver on what he has said. Amen? Amen. And so here's what I want you to do. And I want you to think about this. Why then can you be so confident in this waiting place? It's the hardest place sometimes, I'm telling you, right? It's great when the promise is made. It's great when it's fulfilled, but the waiting place is the hard place. And tonight, I want to give you three reasons why you can be confident in the waiting place. And here's the first one coming right out of Hebrews. It is impossible for God to lie And he has not changed his mind. Did did, did you hear what I just said? Let me say it again. It is impossible for God to lie. And he has not changed his mind. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17. It says, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. If God has made a promise to you, he, has ne- he will never change his mind. It is set. It is done. Verse 18 says, so God has given both his promise and his oath 
These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Folks, if you don't remember anything else I say tonight, this one line that is impossible for God to lie has been burning in my heart for the last three or four days as I've been thinking about this. You know why? Because God has made me some promises. And as I'm walking through life and sometimes I'm looking at things that are going on, I'm saying, wait a second, that's not lining up with the promise. But then I got to remind myself, but wait a second, it is impossible for God to lie. I'm looking at this, it's not adding up, but God, it is impossible for you to lie and you have not changed your mind. So don't look at what's going on. Remember, wait a second, God, it is impossible for you to lie. This is not just a New Testament principle, it's an Old Testament one. In in Numbers, it says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Don't you understand? This is the God we serve. Oh, my goodness. I need you folks to get that truth burned deep into your heart, especially if you are waiting on God for a promise. Remember today, God, it is impossible for him to lie, and he has not changed his mind. You know, one of the tricks of the enemy is to get you to question what God has said. He started this from the very beginning. The first words out of his mouth ever recorded was a question. Did God really say? Did God really say that, Eve? You sure about that? And guess what he does to you? Does it to me as well. You sure you heard that? You sure that was God? Did he really promise you that? Are you sure? Here's what's fascinating about this, though. The Bible tells us that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. In fact, it says when he lies, he is speaking his native language. You know what that means? That means every time he opens his mouth, the only thing that can possibly come out is a lie. That is his native language. That's all he knows. He can't tell the truth because there is no truth in him. That's what the Bible says. There is no truth in him. And yet we struggle sometimes because we fight believing the lie instead of believing the one who has said it is impossible for me to lie. Notice today, God will not lie to you. He has not lied to you. He will not lie to you. He cannot lie to you. What he has told you is true. And if you will wait you will see his promise fulfilled in your life. I encourage you folks, if you don't remember anything else, just burn this truth deep in your heart. The next time the enemy says, did God really say, you say, you know what devil, it is impossible for God to lie. He has said it and he will do it because that's who he is. Get this truth in your heart. It is impossible for God to lie, and he has not changed his mind. I know you might think, wait a second, it doesn't look that way, but he has not changed his mind. The promise he made to you, I don't care if it's five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, I don't care. He has not changed his mind. If he has promised it to you, he is going to fulfill it. He has not changed his mind. Point number two, 
God's promises are an anchor for your soul. I need you to understand, uh, verse uh, Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. If you've ever, anybody ever been on a, on a boat, any kind of boat, big ship, cruise ship, ocean line, or whatever, and what the anchor does, just so you understand, in case you're not familiar, what the anchor does is it keeps the vessel from drifting away. I understand this. And, and, and it keeps it from drifting away due to any type of current or wind. And what it does is it fixes the vessel to a certain position. Hope you understand that. Keeps you from drifting and it locks you in to a certain position. You see, God's promises, what they do is they keep you from drifting away when the currents and winds of life come flowing in your direction. You can lock, anchor your life, your soul to the promises of God. And even though the currents and the the winds are, are, are swaying and everything looks like all the foundations around you are being shaken, you can stand secure because you have been anchored to the promises of God. And when you are anchored, guess what? I don't care how long, how hard the wind is blowing, you're not moving because your position is fixed to the promises of God. And if there was ever a year we needed to be anchored to God's promises, this is the year. Have the foundations, everything that we would hold on to this year has been shaken. The economy has been shaken. Our health has been shaken. Shaken. But guess what? You can anchor to the promises of God. (laughs) Let the wind keep blowing. It doesn't matter because I'm not going anywhere because I'm anchored. Fixed. My position is fixed. God's promises are an anchor to your soul. This has been a crazy year. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, I've never seen a year like this in my lifetime, and I pray I never do see another one like it, but never seen anything like this before. In fact, I don't think there's anyone alive who's seen like this before, because the last pandemic was over 100 years ago, and even if they were alive, they were too young to remember it, so it doesn't really count, but... Because of the winds and the currents and things going on, you may be facing the wind of unemployment or the current of fear or the storm of uncertainty. And so what I want you to do is fix your life and anchor it to the promises of God. And I may say, well, Clarence, how do you do that? How exactly do you do that? Well, let me give you a couple of ways or thoughts here. You anchor yourself by reminding God... And reminding yourself of what God has said. It's interesting because God said he couldn't find anybody else to to swear by. Meaning he couldn't find anybody else to hold them accountable. So you know what he said? I'm going to hold myself accountable to what I have told you. I will hold myself accountable for what I have promised to you. So you can anchor yourself to God's promises. And so here's how you do this. You've got to learn, folks. You've got to learn to encourage yourself when you are in the waiting place. You know, for the last six months, a lot of us have been locked in the house, separated from the body of Christ. And no, that's not what the design is. But guess what? That was what the reality was. And my question to you is, were you able to encourage yourself in those places. And sometimes you've got to be able to do that. And so here's how you do this. You encourage yourself. 
Now, listen to this. I don't know what's happening in your life, but I'm just going to give you three examples of anchors that you can hold on to. If you are facing financial difficulty, that's a storm. Anybody here facing financial difficulty? Anybody at all? Okay. Well, here's what it is. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Guess what that is, folks? That is an anchor. God, the bills are high, but you said you would supply, so you cannot lie. Wait a second, that all rhymes. So that wasn't, that wasn't, a, <laughs> wasn't trying to do that, but I can anchor my life to that. Maybe you're uncertain about the plan of God for your life. Maybe you think that he has forgotten you. Here's an anchor for you. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That, folks, is an anchor. You can lock your life to that. It's a certainty. God, I don't know what's going on, but you said you would not, you would complete the work you started. That's an anchor, folks. Maybe you are overwhelmed by the trials of life and everything that's going on. Well, here's an anchor for you. Isaiah chapter 43. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who forms you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I could stop right there, but there's more. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Don't you get it, folks? These are anchors. You can lock your life to this. You can lock your life fixed in a certain position because God is promised and he will deliver. You can lock your life to this. So I don't care where you are today. There are somewhere between 3,000 and 8,000 promises in this book. Find your situation, find the promise, and lock your life to it. And say, God, I'm holding on to this promise. My position is fixed and my trust is in you because I know you will deliver because you are a God who cannot lie. It is impossible and you have not changed your mind. Lock your life to the promises of God. Hallelujah. My third and last point. You know, in churches when uh, you're not really preaching good unless you close like four times, but um, I don't have four closes. I just got one, but here's my third promise or third point. God's promises lead you into God's presence. It, look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, and, and, and just, just, just listen to the words. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. In the Old Testament, in Israel, in the temple, they had the outer courts and then they had the, the inner sanctuary, right? Um, you had the holy place and then you had the most holy place or the inner sanctuary or sometimes, sometimes people call it the holy of holies. It could be referred to as any of those uh, names, but here's the interesting thing. The high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies or the inner sanctuary one time per year. That was on a day of atonement, Yom Kippur. And what he would do in there is he would make atonement for the sins of the people. However, he had to go through a really 
great ritual before he entered into the Holy of Holies. And if he didn't go in in the right way, it was death. Not spiritual death like Adam experienced, literal death. As in drop dead, heart stop, into eternity kind of death. Okay? But here's the beautiful thing. God's promises and his oath leads you into the most holy place. You see, we, 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 I talked earlier about God's presence. That's why God's presence is so precious. Do you understand that you can go into the holy of holies? You can sit literally at the throne room of God. Literally sit at his feet and let his presence envelop you. That is precious, folks. Don't take that for granted. You see, before Christ came, guess what? The high priest was the only one who had the privilege of doing that, and even that was only once a year. No, you can come 24 hours a day, 365. Whenever you desire, you can enter into the Holy of Holies. And the beautiful thing about it is, is that God has an open door to the Holy of Holies. There's no curtain blocking the way. He's inviting you to come. Now, why is this so important? Here's why it's important. Because what his presence does is it solidifies the anchors that are tied to your soul. I need you to get this. You see, you can't, you can't get through the waiting places or the waiting place if you don't spend time in God's presence. Because the discouragements are too big. The time frame is too long. The challenges are too great. And you need a power and a, and a presence greater than your experience to pull you through that. And so if you're going to get through the waiting place, one of the places you need to make sure you are spending time in is in the presence of God. Because have you ever noticed that when you enter God's presence, anxiety seems to go away? Fear seems to kind of fall fall by the wayside. Uh, the worries that you have seem to diminish. All of a sudden, when you're in God's presence, what seems impossible becomes possible. What seems hopeless becomes full of hope. All of a sudden, where there's despair, it turns to joy. Why? Because in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And he says, come into my presence. You see, it's in his presence that he reminds you of how good he is. And he reminds you of how wonderful he is and how faithful he is and how powerful and merciful he is. How loving and kind and good and gentle he is. It's all in his presence. And the beautiful thing about God's promises is that they lead you into his presence. That's where he wants you, folks. If you are struggling going through a promise, get into his presence. Doesn't mean the situation is going to change tomorrow, but guess what? Your outlook will change. Your hope will be restored. Your joy will be renewed when you get into his presence. His promises are designed to lead you into this presence because when you get there, here's what you do. You take all of this load and burden and weight and everything you've been carrying and you lay that down and you take up his yoke, which is easy and light. His presence, folks, will get you through the waiting place. And so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here as I Start bringing this to a close. My first question is this, and I want you to think about it. You don't have to say it out loud, but think about it in your heart. What promise are you waiting for? 
And I can tell you, it is not possible. I don't think it's possible to be a Christian and not have something that you are waiting and expecting and hoping God to do in your life. I don't think that's possible. We're all waiting for something. What promise are you waiting for? Another question. What has God spoken to your life that you are waiting to be fulfilled? Another thought. What weight are you carrying? I need you to know today, God has not changed his mind. He has not lied to you. Remember verse 17 says, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. 